everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we're reading Genesis 12 and answering the question, what's the key to understanding the Old Testament? What's the key? When we approach our Bibles, we often find ourselves asking, how does the Old Testament relate to the New? And what I've found as I've studied God's Word is that it's helpful to think of the Old Testament as a prequel to the New Testament Gospels and Epistles, just like Avengers Endgame comes after Avengers Infinity War. When we look at the New Testament Epistles, books of the Bible that are actually letters, we see broken people writing to broken people who are in need of help as they all try to navigate a broken world. And we have to ask ourselves, how did the world get so broken? It all starts back in Genesis, the first book of our prequel, or really, we could think of it as the first chapter of our prequel, since the Bible's all one book, which we're currently reading and is exactly in line with what the New Testament tells us. As John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Then we look at Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But God didn't design this world to be broken. In fact, God created it perfectly, and humanity dwelt initially in right relation with Him. But about five pages past the table of contents in Genesis chapter 3, we see sin entered the world as humanity, deceived by the serpent, turned from God's way, leading to the curse of sin. But amidst the consequences of sin, we see a glimmer of hope in Genesis 3.15. As we get the slightest glimpse of the Messiah we read all about in the New Testament, this Messiah is said to someday crush the head of the serpent. And as life for this broken humanity continues on, the curse of sin multiplies as do the people as we read in Genesis 6, 7, and 8. We see the magnitude of sin culminate first in the flood and then in the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, as God graciously disciplines his broken people, first through Noah and the flood and then through the creation of new languages and countries. The reality of this broken world is that if God wants to use people to accomplish his purposes, he must use broken ones. Or at least that seems to be the case in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, I mean, we don't actually meet Jesus in the flesh until the new, or at least that's what we think. Just wait. But here in chapter 12, one of the first noteworthy broken guys we meet is Abram, or Abraham, as you might know him. And God makes three promises to him, ultimately in Genesis chapters 12, 15, and 17. And these promises are what's called the Abrahamic covenant. And understanding the Abrahamic covenant is key to understanding the Old Testament. God says to Abram, I'll give you land. I'll give you seed. That means kids. And he says, I'll give you blessing. I'll make you a blessing. Those who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. This family was going to be the means by which God would introduce himself to the world. And as Blake Holmes taught us in the Watermark Institute, the three key words to understanding the Abrahamic covenant are land, seed, and blessing. Land, a new home, seed, lots of kids, and blessing. Those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse. Land, seed, and blessing. Now, the Got Questions website has a great article on the Abrahamic covenant. So let me read some to you guys. A covenant is an agreement between two parties. There are two basic types of covenants. 
conditional and unconditional. A conditional covenant is an agreement that is binding on both parties for its fulfillment. Both parties agree to fulfill certain conditions. If either party fails to meet their responsibilities, the covenant is broken and neither party has to fulfill the expectations of the covenant. So that means I have responsibility and if I drop the ball, we're both free. But an unconditional or unilateral covenant, as the article continues, is an agreement between two parties. But only one of the two parties has to do something. Nothing is required of the other. Later, God gave Abram the right of circumcision as the specific sign of the Abrahamic covenant. That's Genesis 17. All males in Abraham's line were to be circumcised and thus carry with them a lifelong mark in their flesh that they were part of God's physical blessing in the world. Because remember, this family was supposed to introduce the rest of the world to the God of Israel. Any descendant of Abraham who refused circumcision was declaring himself to be outside of God's covenant. This explains why God was angry with Moses when Moses failed to circumcise his son in Exodus 4. God determined to call out a special people for himself, and through that special people, he would bless the whole world. The Lord tells Abraham in Gen- or Abram in Genesis 12, verses 2 through 3, he says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Based on this promise, the article continues, God later changed Abram's name from Abram, meaning high father, to Abraham, father of a multitude. That's in Genesis 17. As we've seen, the Abrahamic covenant is unconditional. It should also be taken literally. There's no need to spiritualize the promise to Abraham. God's promises to Abraham's descendants will be fulfilled literally. As the article continues, The Abrahamic covenant is an unconditional covenant. The actual covenant is found in today's chapter. The article doesn't say today's chapter, but I'm letting you know. The actual covenant is in today's chapter, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now, the ceremony recorded in Genesis 15 indicates the unconditional nature of the covenant. When a covenant was dependent upon both parties keeping commitments, then both parties would pass between the pieces of animals. In Genesis 15, God alone moves between the halves of the animals. Abraham was in a deep sleep. God's solitary action indicates that the covenant is principally his promise. He binds himself to the covenant. The Abrahamic covenant includes the promise of land. It was a specific land, an actual property with dimensions specified in chapter 15. In chapter 13, God gives Abraham all the land that he can see, and the gift is declared to be forever. God was not going to to retract on his promise or go back on his word. The territory given as part of the Abrahamic covenant is expanded in Deuteronomy chapter 30, often called the Palestinian covenant. The article concludes. So as we continue going through the Old Testament, we are going to see God come through on his promises to Abraham. They may not always play out in the way we'd expect, but God always keeps his word, which begs the question for us. When it comes to God's promises to us today, do I expect God to operate in a certain way? Think about it. I know I often expect God to answer my prayers or show up in specific ways, but that isn't always how it plays out. 
sometimes his plans are different than mine. So when it comes to God's promises to us today, how do we, how do you expect God to show up? Do you expect him to answer at all? That's all we've got time for today. But as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.